is a good morning, and it is good to see all of you uh, here today, and thank you to those who are joining us online as well this morning. Uh, Happy Easter to you. Happy Easter to our choir. You guys sound amazing. Thank you so much. That's right. I, I was a little jumpy in the first service because I hadn't had anybody behind me for like a year of preaching, so uh, it, it's different. But um, I'm so grateful to be here this morning, and on behalf of our church family, I just want to welcome those of you who may be visiting us for the first time or watching online for the first time. We are so glad to have you as our guest, and we would love to know who you are. Uh, we'd love for you to stop by one of the tents, uh, welcome tents on your way out, uh, or uh, if you're not, uh, don't have time to do that this morning, you can text the word CONNECT to the number that is on the screen, and one of our staff members will follow up with you this week, and we'd love to answer any questions you might have and help you learn how you can get connected uh, to our church. And we invite you back next Sunday. We begin uh, a journey through the Gospel of Mark next Sunday, so we will be spending quite a bit of time learning uh, who Jesus was, learning about the teaching of Jesus and the life of Jesus. And, and I originally planned to start that journey through Mark today, uh, but as uh, we started uh, thinking about beginning, I realized that we need to help everyone. I need to be reminded of where Jesus started. Because most of us view, or most people view uh, Jesus in this way, and we have a little diagram that kind of helps you understand. So there's the beginning, whenever that was, And then there's ancient history, that's like really, really back in the day, really old stuff. And then Jesus came, and then there's more history, because that was like thousands of years ago. And then there's the future. And so Jesus was this point in history. But what the Bible teaches us, and what the truth is, is that really everything revolves around Jesus, that Jesus has always existed, and so all of history revolves around Jesus. All different aspects of life, whether it's economics or science or whatever it may be, everything revolves around Jesus. Jesus has always been. Today, I'm going to be reading from Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20, and these verses highlight exactly what I am talking about this morning. Now, before we read in verse 15, we need to understand that what Paul's doing here is he's, he's writing a letter to the Colossians and he's encouraging them. He's praying for their maturity and he's praying for them to have fruit in their faith and, and to have strength. And then he reminds them of Christ and his purpose. Verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, then everything he might be preeminent. For in him All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And we know that Paul was writing this letter during one of his many imprisonments. 
He was jailed for extensive periods of time during his life because he refused to stop telling people that Jesus is Lord and that he had risen from the dead. And so Paul writes this letter first to correct many of the Colossian church's view of God because there had become a misunderstanding about who God was, who Jesus was. And second, to explain to them why he was willing to suffer, why he was willing to sacrifice for the gospel, and why we should be also. Because if Jesus is who the Bible says he is, then we should live differently than perhaps we would naturally do. And that is what Paul is saying. He's saying Jesus is God. He's saying that Jesus is God. Verse 15, he says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. When he says he's the image, he says he's the likeness of God. It's a way of saying that you can see God through Jesus. You may not be able to see God that clearly, but you can clearly see who he is through Jesus. And he says that Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. Now, when you hear that, word, you think, okay, so if he was the firstborn, that means something gave him birth. But that's not why Paul is using this word. This this word that Paul is using can also mean position in the Greek. The word firstborn can refer to position. And so it carries with it a certain amount of rights. And and this word is actually the same word with, with which we get the word prototype from. And so what Paul is saying is he's saying Jesus is the prototype of creation. He's the template on which all things were created and the one for whom they were created. And and so if if God is Jesus, then we understand that Jesus could not be created. The only uncreated thing is God. And if everything that was created was created by Jesus, which the Bible tells us, and then Jesus himself was also created, then Jesus would have had to create himself. Now, I went to Bible colleges, so I don't know a ton about science, but that's impossible to create yourself. So the fact that Jesus created everything means that he is God. And Paul says in verse 19, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, not slices of the pie, But the whole thing dwelled in Jesus. If you ever want to know what God is like, if someone ever asks you what is God like, read about Jesus. Look to Jesus to get the clearest picture of who God is because Jesus is God. And all things were created by Jesus, through Jesus, And for Jesus, all things were created by Jesus, through Jesus, and for Jesus. Verse 16, Paul says, for by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. So Paul uses three words here saying by, through, and for when he talks about Jesus creating. 
The first word by is the Greek word in, which is spelled E-N, uh, which can be translated often as by or in, I-N. And what it means is what you're referring to is what the other subject ref- rests on. So its position is what everything else that you're talking about rests on. He's saying here that Jesus is what caused all things to exist. All things in heaven, on an earth, all things visible and invisible, all thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities. Everything that you see or you can think of has been created by Jesus. Jesus is what caused it to exist. He has the authority that comes with that. Now, this is for another sermon, but when we think about evil in this world, while Jesus may not be directly causing that, he ultimately has authority over all things that happen. And so we do need to ask ourselves the question, what is the purpose for which Jesus allows this to happen? Because certainly he has the authority to permit it or not to permit it. But then Paul also says that all things were created through him. So first he says by him, now he says through him, which, you know, some would actually translate it in him and by him. And, and the reason that Paul's saying this is he's now trying to say that he's the how or he's the way that things were created. The point is to say, yes, he caused things to happen, but he is also the means by which it happened. He is the how. If you're lost, that's okay. I am a little bit too. Stay with me. I'll clarify in just a moment. Then at the end, he says, and for him, which actually could be translated as into him. So he's saying its purpose is found in him. The purpose of all things are found in him. If by meant what caused all things and through means how things are caused or things are created, then this is why all things are created. Here's what Paul's saying. Jesus is where we came from, where we belong, and where we are headed. Jesus is where we came from, where we belong, and where we are headed. Jesus is why we exist. He's the reason we're here, the causation of us existing. He's also where we should be, where we find our purpose, where we find meaning, where we find life. And in Jesus is also our future. That's who Jesus is. He's where we came from, where we belong, and where we are headed. Paul says in verse 17, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. This is language of rank. This is language of dependence. What Paul is trying to emphasize here is that Jesus isn't just in charge, but it's a startup company that he continues to run. When you think of what Paul is saying here, you think of parents and their children, which are called dependents. And so because of their parents, that's the reason they were brought into this life, but they also remain dependent on their parents for their survival and for their thriving. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. In verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Jesus is the leader of the church. Jesus is the direction of the church. He's where those who are gods should look. 
He's the firstborn from the dead, which means he's the prototype of being raised from the dead. And in everything, he might be preeminent. He is the high-ranking one. He is supreme. He is the king. Everything revolves around him. It comes from him. It revolves around him. And eventually, everyone will see this reality. Everyone will see that everything revolves around him because it comes from his glory and it's headed to his glory. And so what we do is we respond to that. And make no mistake, you respond to this in some way. And often people view their lives in in interesting ways when it comes to Jesus. Especially growing up in a church context, in a church culture, many people view their lives as in this way. And we have a diagram to illustrate what I'm talking about. You're born, you have childhood, and you have your adulthood. And in this diagram, those are equal, but you're usually an adult longer than your child. Some of you are still children, even though you're adult age, but that's another sermon as well. But at some point in your life, probably closer to the birth stage, Jesus. And so when you think about Jesus, you think about this point in your life, and then you die, and Jesus is relevant again. That's how a lot of people view Jesus. He was this point in their life when they were seven or when they were 17 or, or whenever it was. And, and, and then they just kind of live their lives without really thinking about that with the reality that eventually I'll meet Jesus, I'll face Jesus again. And, and they might say things like, I, I just hope I've done enough or hope I'm good enough or you know, whatever it may be. That's how a lot of people view their lives. Now, some, there's more active engagement with Jesus throughout their life. And so it looks more like this. They're born, and then they're kind of doing okay, and then things go bad. Maybe they're just a teenager, and that's just tough. Or maybe uh, they go through a bad relationship, or maybe they make some mistakes. Maybe they get into some trouble. Maybe they disappoint their parents or their grandparents. And so at this bottom of their life, they go to Jesus, and then things begin to pick back up. And maybe they just stay there, or what often happens is things go back down again, and and then you need Jesus again, and and this is the cycle throughout your life till you die, needing Jesus in these moments when you don't know what to do and when things aren't going well and when you don't know where else to turn. For most people, I would say that it's more like parallel lines of life that never intersect. And so, and and I just chose five things that I think are important to most people, but there might be other things that are important, but you you have family, and so, you know, you just kind of live your family life in this way, and then you have your career, and you live your career life in this way, and then you have your interest, which may or may not be your family and your career that you're interested in, but you have the things that you enjoy doing and that you like and that make you what you feel unique. Then you have faith. And then you have maybe your country and politics and the way you view the world. And so you have all these different aspects of your life and and they never intersect with one another. And so Jesus is just like this, this part, this compartment, this category of your life. But what the Bible teaches us in Colossians 1 and in other places is that's not how life works with Jesus. 
Jesus, again, is at the center of our life. And all aspects of our life are revolving and centered around Jesus. And those aspects of our life most certainly intersect at different points, but they always stay centered around Jesus. If Jesus is before all things, and if Jesus holds all things together, and if things were created by him and through him and for him, there's no other way to live for Jesus. Jesus cannot be just a point in history or just a point in the history of our lives. He cannot be just one line running parallel to the other things of our life. Jesus said in John 14, 6, that he is the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him, except for being found in him. Now, when you really think about that, we have to realize that we might have objections to this. Because if Jesus is really what our life revolves around, then how we view sex and how we view sexuality and how Jesus views sex and sexuality might conflict with one another. How we view money and what we want to do with our money might not be the same as how Jesus views money and what we should do with our money. How we feel about a certain person or certain types of people. We look at the life of Jesus and he didn't seem to feel that same way. And so how we feel actually might need to change if we revolve our life around Jesus. Our time and what we want to do with our time and how we want to use our time, Jesus might have other things to say about that. And the direction in which we are living, the plan we have for our life may not be the same as Jesus's. And if he's Lord and he's what everything revolves around, then to trust in him, we would need to change. And for some of you, you don't want that. And so what this means then is the relationship with the one who was before all things, the one who created all things, the one who holds all things together and you is broken. But Jesus came to show us who God was. In him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. He is the image of the invisible God. And here is what Paul says. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of its cross. And in verse 21, he says, And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled you, excuse me, he's now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. This is what Jesus did. 
He reconciled us to himself. He is what everything revolves around. And if we're living our life in a different way, that relationship is broken. And the cross made a way of reconciliation to him. And Christianity is a response to that. And saying, you are then my Lord, you are then my master, and I will revolve everything in my life around you. Paul says, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. That's the hope of Christians, is the gospel, is the good news that a holy God who we broke the relationship with has come to reconcile us to himself by making peace by the blood of his cross. And that deserves everything. We have a value here at our church that says Jesus is a part of life. He is life. Jesus isn't an aspect of what we do as a church. He isn't an aspect of what we do as believers. He is life. Jesus did not come just to show us who God was. He was God. Jesus isn't just the breath of fresh air that we need every once in a while. He is the oxygen we need to breathe. Jesus does not just quench our thirst here and there. He is the wellspring which never runs dry that is the source of all living water. Jesus is the one who made everything. He's the template on which it was made, and he's the one for whom it was made. He isn't just the brightest star in the galaxy. He's the one whose gravitational pull everything revolves around. He isn't just a room in our lives. He's the foundation on which everything rests. He isn't just an important chapter in the book. He is the story in which all of our stories are written. Jesus did not come just to teach the truth. He is the truth. Jesus didn't come just to show us the way. He is the way. Jesus didn't come and just live a good life. He is life. Jesus is not a point in history. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, and all authority belongs to him. Life and death, life and death revolve around Jesus. And that's what Easter Sunday is about. It's about the fact that Jesus clearly showed us the authority that he has over life and death. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus is the resurrection, and Jesus was resurrected because he is life, because he has authority over life and death. And so listen to me today. Your relationship may seem dead, and Jesus has authority over life and death. There is hope in Christ. And we know that in all relationships, it takes two people. 
that perhaps you have experienced over and over again. Someone else not honoring you, not honoring God, and today you feel like you have no worth. You don't feel like moving forward. Jesus has authority over life and death. It is not over for you. Maybe you just don't know your value. You don't feel like you're valuable. You don't have purpose. And Jesus, no matter how dead you feel, no matter how lost you feel, no matter how broken you feel, Jesus has authority over life and death and he can resurrect you and your purpose and your value and your worth. This week I had the privilege of sitting with a man who's made a bunch of bad choices in his life and bad things have happened to him and he felt like giving up and I said to him, your life isn't over. Your life is not over. And I don't say that because I want to be charming or inspirational. I say that because on the first day of the week, two ladies went to anoint a body for burial and the tomb was empty. I say that because Jesus has all authority and he clearly showed us his authority over life and death. And so no matter how bad things get and no matter how empty you feel and how lost you feel, Jesus can resurrect you. And if you feel spiritually dead this morning, then what I say to you, is praise God because we are dead in our trespasses and God gives us resurrected lives in him. That's the gospel. That's who God is. That's what he wanted to do. And he proved it through the resurrection and the empty tomb. And we are called to live resurrected lives following the one, revolved around the one who is the resurrection and the life. Pray with me. Jesus, I just thank you for Easter. I thank you for the empty tomb. I thank you for your authority over life and death. And the reality is that exists whether we see it or not. And God, you say in your word that you hold all things together. God, we are one of those things. So maybe right now we just come to you and we say, just hold us together, Lord. But we can say that confidently. Or maybe somebody today says, I'm dead. I'm spiritually, emotionally dead. God, I pray that they would look to you, the one who has authority over life and death. And God, they would confess their sins to you, call on your name, because you say whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And this salvation is something that is assured because of your resurrection. And Lord, just help us as your church, as your people, to not live in defeat, but to live in the reality of the authority of Jesus Christ. We pray these things in his name. Amen.